How are we feeling today, Bruins fans? If you're anything like me, you're just tempted to go on Twitter and pop up the famous Mad Men gif of Pete Campbell getting on an elevator and saying, Not great, Bob. In fact, as I begin this podcast recording, you may have heard a garbage truck drive by my house, which is very fitting. If you think about it, after last night's game, in which the Bruins not only lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, their first shutout loss of the season, but they also lost uh, to Karask in the process. But more on that in a moment. First, let me introduce the podcast. This is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. I am a despondent Ian McLaren. You can find my depressed hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Please uh, subscribe, download, listen, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your uh, other shows. And also tell someone in your life today about the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I promise it won't be this sad off the top every day. Uh, What else should I mention? Yeah, that's about it for introductions. Today we'll... Look back at last night's uh, loss to the um, Columbus Blue Jackets and what it means to the Bruins moving forward. We'll also update the Atlantic Division power rankings as that's becoming more and more a troubling, precarious spot for the Bruins atop the Atlantic. And then, of course, we'll uh, look at some news and notes from around the NHL. Um, Last night's game, as we all know, got off to a, uh, I wouldn't, uh, disastrous, is that too strong of a word? Um, start as Tuka Rask had to leave the game uh, just over a minute into the first period after being uh, accidentally on purpose bumped to the head by Emil Bemstrom. Took an elbow to the head as Brandon Carlo tried to um, get him out of the crease and uh, Rask fell down to the ice for a moment was helped off by Bruins trainer Don Del Negro. He did not return. And after the game, Bruce Cassidy said that Rask is concussed. He got elbowed in the head. He'll go into protocol. At least that's what he was told. Hopefully it's not as bad as they first thought. I guess we'll have a better evaluation here um, on Wednesday. But that's what he was originally told. Uh, Hopefully when he gets home, he'll feel better. Maybe they jumped the gun a little bit was his original assessment um there was no penalty called on the play and uh initially brandon carlos said the referee told him that it was an accidental stick that caught rask up high um carlos said after rask went down i was asking the ref what happened he said it was an accident a stick to the face that's what he saw although if you look at the replay you can see the Ref was looking directly at the play, so I'm not sure how he missed it. Um, Carlo added, I don't know if the guys were really aware of that at the time, but after the first period, we obviously saw it. Uh, Carlo said, I barely shoved him at all. It wasn't a strong play by me by any means. I was just trying to clear the front of the net lightly, not even too assertively. He did get his arm up a little there. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't recognize that sooner. Now, this brings up the question of the Bruins' response, uh, why they didn't 
um, you know, seek retribution for this seemingly egregious elbow to the head of their star goaltender, uh, all-star goaltender before he uh, withdrew from the game earlier this week. Um, There were some questions on social media and even ongoing now as to why the Bruins didn't respond with, you know, face punching or why they didn't, um, yeah, fight Bebstrom, jump him, whatever. Uh, The reality is, at the time of the play, nobody saw what happened, and Carlo asked about it, and he was given misinformation. So that ruled out any immediate um, response from the Bruins. That was something that was backed up by uh, Cassidy, who said, I don't know if anybody saw it initially. Brandon's kind of bumping with him on his pants, but certainly didn't affect the elbow. Should our guys have had a better response? I think there could have been, yeah, but I don't know if they saw it in real time. Carlo, who was closest to the play, admitted he did not see it and was given that misinformation. It was pointed out after the first period that our goaltender got bumped, Cassidy added. It's a little bit late then. You can't take the law into your own hands. You can certainly address it with the player on the ice if you felt it was inappropriate. I think some of our guys did that, but we had to get back to playing. Uh, Carlo, in fact, um, did approach Bemstrom and uh, asked for uh, some sort of fisticuffs, uh, but Bemstrom denied it. Um, Bemstrom said he was being targeted all night by the Bruins. This according to Aaron Portsline of The Athletic. Uh, He said the elbow to Rask was unintentional, that he was cross-checked on one side, twisted his torso as he skated through the crease. It wasn't on purpose, of course. So from his point of view, whether or not he's speaking truthfully, he didn't see the need to defend himself um, by fighting Carlo. As I said on Twitter this morning, Basically, it comes down to the Bruins could have responded right away, but they didn't see the play. Carlo at least tried to have a go at Bemstrom, but the latter didn't want to fight. The only other option was to jump the kid and risk ejection and or suspension. And, you know, Cassidy said that would be taking the law into your own hands. I can't do that. Um, So, you know, what were they supposed to do at that point? Um, The best... Revenge would have been to go out and win the game, but that's not something that happened as Elvis Merzlikens made uh, 34 saves to secure his second consecutive shutout, Boston's uh, first shutout loss of the season. And, you know, all of that added up to uh, a pretty uh, disappointing night overall for the Bruins. In terms of the lack of reaction, again, Carlos said, you know, it's the question is whether you want to do something physical, take matters into your own hands, like Zach Cassian did uh, against the Calgary Flames the other night. He got a two game suspension for jumping Matthew Kachuk after he was hit um, hard, blindsided by Kachuk earlier in the game. Uh, you risk taking yourself out of the game at the time and also missing maybe the next couple games. Brandon Carlo said that as well. You try to get a bit more assertive with him, see what happens from there. But ultimately in the situation, it was a one nothing game when play resumed in the second period. It's not really time to jump him and take a penalty. You try to antagonize him as much as you can until he makes his decision on if he wants to fight or not. Tonight, that wasn't the case. He didn't want to fight. 
Uh, Krug took a couple shots at him. Um, so, you know, from that point on, uh, you, again, you risk uh, diving into uh, Department of Player Safety territory where they have to take a look, take you out of a couple games. The Bruins can't afford right now to lose anybody, uh, especially from the blue line, if Rask is going to be out from it any period of time. Uh, so that's kind of my take on things. Um, you would have liked to see a response at the, maybe at the time challenging Bemstrom. Um, but again, the Bruins didn't see it at the time. They were given misinformation. They tried later on to have a go at Bemstrom. He didn't oblige. And then, uh, you know, it is what it is from that point on. As far as game stats go, the Bruins outshot the Blue Jackets 34-27. Uh, according to Natural Statric, they had a, a very positive possession game with 59.3, uh, Corsi 4 percentage in 5-on-5 five five play. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Columbus's goalie stood strong. He's on a very hot streak at the moment. Bruins weren't able to find the back of the net. Probably some residual effects of the Rask situation. Um, just feeling a bit demoralized that way. And uh, yeah, the Bruins just weren't able to to get things going and to generate much in the way of, of offense. Um, so yeah, unfortunately the Bruins fell to the Blue Jackets last night and uh, they have three games remaining before the break. And uh, they're standing atop the Atlantic division is, um, I don't know what the word is, weakening uh, day by day as the Lightning and Maple Leafs are now hot on their heels. And uh, let's now take a look at the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. We'll kick off the Atlantic Division Power Rankings by uh, updating our old friends at the bottom in the Detroit Red Wings, they've played 47 games. They're 12, 32, and 3. They have a 27-point total so far and a minus 81 goal differential, which is just terrible. Uh, the next lowest team is the New Jersey Devils, and they're at minus 39. So uh, double New Jersey's goal differential, which is pretty bad in its own right. Uh, Detroit Red Wings, clearly the worst team in the NHL right now. They're 12 points behind Anaheim, uh, who is the 30th place team, uh, and definitely putting themselves in position to draft highly uh, in June with a view to Alex Lafreniere, uh, who could be a uh, franchise player for them if they're able to win the lottery. Uh, up next is the Ottawa Senators. Played 46 games, 16, 22, and 8 for 40 points, minus 34 goal differential. They will be sellers at the trade deadline, I would imagine. I mentioned uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot as a potential target. Maybe Anthony Duclair. He would look really great on uh, the second line for the Bruins, I would think. Uh, maybe a depth player like uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov. Uh, but the Senators, they have a lot of youth in the pipeline. Um, and are still a year or two from being competitive uh, and will be sellers at the deadline, and the Bruins might be able to take advantage of that. Both teams clearly well outside the playoff picture, Ottawa-Detroit, 
Um, and they'll probably be seven and eight for the remainder of the season as they have been for most of the season, to be honest. Uh, sixth place team this week is the Montreal Canadiens. They're 20, 20 and seven, 47 points in 47 games, a minus three goal differential. They had, um, dreams of remaining in the playoff picture, but they are just quite simply not going to challenge for a wild card spot. They're seven points back of the Philadelphia Flyers who hold the second wild card spot. And, um, they are nine points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs for third in the Atlantic. So, uh, Montreal, uh, despite having some, uh, pretty talented players, you know, they have Shea Weber, Carey Price, well beyond, not beyond their prime, but they're getting up there. They've had some injury issues. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk has been a nice addition for them. Um, as a bit of a stopgap measure to try to keep things alive. But uh, as mentioned yesterday, he might be somebody who is flipped at the deadline, which would be a nice piece of work for Bergevin to get a pick out of uh, basically nothing. But um, yeah, Canadians, uh, not a team to be worried about down the stretch, uh, I don't believe. The fifth place team is the Buffalo Sabres. They too have been ravaged by injuries. They're 21 19 and 7 through 47 games. They have a minus 9 goal differential, uh, 49 points, four back of um, the Panthers. Uh, but again, I don't see them as a team that will be able to um, be in the playoff race down the stretch. So those are the bottom four teams, barring complete surprise uh, or a miraculous run led by someone like, you know, the Hamburglar a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, now the top four teams, this is where things get a bit more interesting. Florida Panthers, I'm putting in fourth um, this week. They are 24, 16, and 5, 53 points through uh, 45 games. They are three points back of the Toronto Maple Leafs for the third spot in the Atlantic and they have two games in hand actually. Um, so they're certainly a team worth watching. I've said it many times on the podcast that the Panthers, if they're able to get um, any league average goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky, who's making uh, probably way, yeah, way too much money for his, um, production at this point Uh, but if they're able to get him to close to where he is expected to be they will be a a very dangerous team Uh, their point percentage right now is 589 which is um, very close to Toronto's at 596 they have the two games in hand and Toronto who I'm putting in the third place spot right now uh, they have some very serious Injury issues with Morgan Riley out up to eight weeks with a broken foot. Uh, That didn't seem to hurt them Uh, last night as they beat the New Jersey Devils seven to four. Albeit, you know, it's a New Jersey team that has uh, very much failed to meet expectations this year. Rasmus Sandin stepped in and played very well for the Maple Leafs. Um, Don't know if that's just 
uh, quality of competition, small sample size, or if it will be able to um, be sustained. But he looked very good playing um, good minutes with Toronto star players. Uh, so if they're able to get um, some good production out of him, they may be okay. However, um, yeah, um, Florida and Toronto uh, will be in a battle for the third spot, I truly believe, as uh, Florida looks to get some better goaltending and Toronto deals with these uh, injury issues. That leaves us next with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are 28-14-4. They're 9-1 and in their last 10 games with the only loss coming against those Devils uh, back on the weekend. They're six points back of the Bruins with two games in hand. They also have now a better goal differential than the Bruins at plus 33. Um, So the Lightning, very much a team to be worried about at this point. They look a lot more like the team that ran away with the President's Trophy last season. Bruins still have the advantage in terms of point percentage at 688. Tampa's at 652. Uh, But again, uh, from yesterday's podcast, I said Tampa Bay has had the advantage since um, the beginning of December as one of the NHL's best teams over that stretch over the last six weeks or so, seven weeks, uh, rapidly gaining ground on the Bruins. And um, yeah, if the Bruins can't turn things around or overcome this injury to Tuka Rask, then I would expect uh, Tampa Bay to pass them uh, maybe by the All-Star break, but definitely uh, before the trade deadline, giving the Bruins um, much reason to assess where they're at and make a move sooner than later. Uh, For the time being, I'm putting the Bruins... You know what? I'm going to put the Tampa Bay at first based on the last seven weeks. I'm putting Boston in second despite the six-point lead, despite the fact they still have the um, point percentage lead. Their underlying numbers aren't as strong as Tampa Bay's. Uh, They're a middling possession team, a middling team in terms of uh, shot quality, this being the Bruins. Uh, And now with this um, injury to Tugarask, there is uh, room for concern, certainly. Um, I didn't open up the mailbag, but our friend Yuso Kakyanainen, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, at J-U-P-S-U-H on Twitter, he asks, is it time to panic if Rask is gone long-term? I don't think it's time to panic per se, as Halak, as we all know, um, has been strong this season, although his recent numbers may be a Bit of a cause for concern. In four January games, he's posted a, a save percentage of 866. Um, not one game uh, above 900 uh, after posting a 930 save percentage in December. Um, the Bruins only have three games left before the All-Star break and their bye week. Uh, home and home with Pittsburgh. And then another game against Vegas. Pittsburgh has been playing uh, very good as of late. In fact, they're the only team better than Tampa Bay since the beginning of December. They just got Sidney Crosby back. So those two games will certainly be a challenge for Boston. And uh, Halak will have to stand tall for the Bruins to get points from those games. 
Um, so not really reason to panic. Hopefully the concussion isn't very serious and Rask can return after the all-star break. Uh, they'll, their schedule will resume in uh, February, I believe, or January 31st, actually, in Winnipeg. So that's um, from last night. That's a good um, two and a half weeks off. Uh, hopefully that's enough for Rask to uh, get better. Although, of course, we do not want to take any chances with um, concussions at all. Uh, no word yet on who has been called up from the minors, but I would expect Halak to get all three starts before the all-star break. And then we'll see how things stand once play resumes for the Bruins on the 31st. So not really time to panic, but um, certainly uh, room to be concerned. And um, that's why I'm putting the Bruins in second this week in the power rankings uh, based on Tampa's strong play, the injury to Rask and uh, the two games in hand that the Lightning have on Boston. So that's it for this week's power rankings. To recap quickly, we have Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal, Buffalo, Florida, uh, Toronto, our Boston Bruins, and then the Tampa Bay Lightning, who look like the world beaters we saw in the regular season, at least last season. It's time in the show now where we look at some news and notes from around the NHL. I mentioned Morgan Riley is injured. Uh, Jake Muzzin uh, is injured as well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's two big losses on the blue line. Although Jake Muzzin appears to be skating uh, here on Wednesday morning. But McKenzie, uh, Bob McKenzie, that is from TSN. He said uh, the Maple Leafs are getting calls from clubs hoping to take advantage of the situation. Maybe the Leafs would be willing to part with a forward in uh, search of some help on the blue line. Uh, this from Spectres Hockey, who reports McKenzie believes the idea of trading for defenseman isn't entirely out of the question. Um, replacing Riley and Muzzin on the left side is their short-term need, but their long-term need is on the right side. Uh, McKenzie wondered if the Leafs would be prepared to part with maybe Kasperi Kapitan, Andreas Johansson, or maybe even Alex Kerfoot for a defenseman with a similar contract. This was from... Uh, insider trading on TSN last night. Um, in terms of the Canadians, Pierre Lebrun reports uh, Mark Bergevin has no intention of moving either Shea Weber or Carey Price prior to the deadline, as if anybody would be interested with their contracts. Uh, who knows? Um, but we, if you remember, uh, Bergevin once said he had no interest in trading P.K. Subban, and he was able to move that contract as well. Uh, obviously the Canadians would have to retain some salary if they wanted to, to trade either one of those guys. Um, so we'll see if that happens. I don't s anticipate either of those moves taking place, but it would be a uh, huge uh, admission of kind of a rebuild in Montreal. If, if they were to take that step, LeBron also added uh, Chris Kreider remains front and center in the rumor mill. Uh, there could be some contract negotiations that go on between him and the New York Rangers as he becomes uh, a, a UFA this summer. But it looks like uh, Kreider will be moved prior to the deadline. The St. Louis Blues and our Boston Bruins will likely be at the front of the line calling um, the Rangers to see if they can make 
that kind of move. Again, the Bruins, it's been reported by Elliot Friedman, have Tyler Toffoli in their back pocket, whatever that means. Uh, they might, it sounds very much like they prefer Kreider because of maybe the scoring and the edge to his game that he brings that maybe Toffoli lacks. Um, so yeah, just still waiting on the Rangers to see what the situation is there. Um, also, um, where else do we have on the rumor mill? That's pretty much it for rumors that pertain to the Bruins. Uh, news wise, I mentioned that Sidney Crosby returned to the Penguins lineup. That's relevant to us as we um, get ready for a couple games coming up against the uh, Penguins. That would be a home and home. Uh, that's quite spread out. The first will be tomorrow night, which we'll tee up on tomorrow's podcast. And then on Sunday afternoon, as the NBC matinee schedule kicks off for the remainder of this season. So we'll take a look at those two games. But Crosby looked uh, amazing in his return. He scored. He set up three others, including just an amazing assist that he uh, recorded after banking the puck off the back of the net and then firing it across the crease. Um, and yeah, he just liked, looked like the Sidney Crosby that we all know and quite frankly appreciate. Uh, the game is better when Crosby's playing it. Hopefully he doesn't um, do too much damage to the Bruins. But um, yeah, he's back, looks good, and uh, certainly will be uh, a handful for Boston defensemen in these two games. Uh, Austin Matthews recorded his first career hat tricks uh, since. Well, actually, yeah, his first career three goal game. He had the four goal game uh, in his uh, career debut against the Ottawa Senators a few years ago. He's now only two goals back of David Pasternak. Uh, Pasternak has 36 goals, Matthews with 34, Alex Ovechkin and Jack Eichel both with 28. Uh, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on in the Rocket Richard race. I mentioned the Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian situation in uh, Alberta. Uh, it's an interesting uh, story to watch as Cassian was suspended two games for um, kind of, uh, I don't know if you say attack, but he took matters into his own hands after he was blindsided twice by Matthew Kachuk. Um, his first game back will be against the Flames on January 29th. Uh, he's already vowing to uh, repay Kachuk again after after those hits and not feeling as though Kachuk uh, received the um, kind of punishment that he deserved. Uh, certainly, I would assume the league will step in and warn both guys um, about uh, further punishment if things get out of hand in that game. But if you're able to watch that game, I would certainly recommend it as it is lining up to be um, kind of the uh, reignition of one of hockey's better rivalries. And uh, there'll be some fireworks for sure in, in that one uh, either way. Um, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, keep an eye on Twitter as we await uh, more news about uh, Tuka Rask and uh, how long he might be out of the lineup and uh, if someone's called up to serve as backup to Halak 
Uh, hopefully I was able to kind of clarify why the Bruins didn't retaliate in this one and um, yeah, what the situation was with, with Tampa Bay uh, hot on their heels in the Atlantic Division. Thanks so much for taking some time to listen again today. If you're able to rate and review, if you're an Apple listener specifically, that would be very much appreciated. Again, my name is Ian McLaren. You can find me at Ian C. McLaren, I-A-N-C-M-C-L-A-R-E-N on the Twitter machine. Follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Very much appreciated. Hope you all have a great Wednesday. Take some time today to do something to take your mind off the Bruins, off of hockey. I started watching The Outsider on HBO, which is uh, very kind of dark and a slow burn, but uh, some great performances from Ben Mendelsohn and Jason Bateman so far. And um, I highly recommend that if you haven't checked it out already. I'll be back tomorrow to take a look at um, a preview of the, the Penguins game probably open up the mailbag as well so if you're listening send me some questions on twitter and i'll get to those tomorrow yeah take care friends have a great uh, wednesday and we'll check you again tomorrow